you know, just sometimes <laughs> church leaders, um, parents, whoever, they need to take a deep breath and they need to count to 10 <laughs> before <laughs> addressing something. Um, or count, take a deep breath and count to 10 before hitting send uh, on some <laughs> social media post. Or even better, just don't hit send. Here we go! Press them on your children. Press them on your children. Press them on your children. Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. All right, Tony, after a short break, we're back at it. You, you still good? I am still good. I uh, netty potted, so <laughs> if any listeners know what that is, not a pleasant experience. You haven't frozen from the snow or anything? Not yet, so it's uh, although our pellet stoves, which we're gonna be getting a heat pump soon, but our pellet stoves have been running pretty active. Okay, um, I imagine so. Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's pretty nice here. I miss an overcast day, but not wearing a coat. There's no snow. It's not wet, so I'm thankful for that. Um, so Tony, you know this. We're closing in on a year, and so but probably by the time this airs, we'll, we'll have passed a year from the January sixth Capitol riot. Maybe some people would call it something else, but we all know what we're talking about—the uh, mess that happened at the U.S. Capitol. You know, we're at a, a point in in society for some time now where divisions and fissures within. The American society, um, Western society, and, and even in the church have become very apparent. And uh, you may have seen this, and tell me if you have, but uh, I mean, I know you've heard about the Let's Go Brandon thing. I have, yeah. I, I've seen, I have friends that, uh, Facebook friends that use the Let's Go Brandon thing. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I saw someone that I know wearing a, a hat uh, just the other day with that. And um, anyway, I saw something, though, with some group of professing Christians. I don't know if it was actually a church service. I, I do not think it was an actual like, you know, public worship service at a church. It may have been – they may have been using a church's building. Um, and I think that there was like the pastor of this thing, some well-known pastor was present as well as some other people. There was some Christian musician. They were leading worship songs uh, and then like a spontaneous Let's Go Brandon chant broke out like you know across the the room and it was a pretty big room and you know everybody's just going and clapping and chanting and having a good old time with it and um anyway i mean i saw that and you know it, it's it just it shows the the level of division that you know the, let's praise jesus okay now let's you know blank joe biden and having those two things right next to each other and so that's what we're going to look at today. Not necessarily let's go Brandon, but just dealing with the division that's in our society within the church. How do we, as parents and then within the church, uh, help pe guide people through that? Because um, we're not the first ones to notice this. And so it's something that we're all dealing with. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, do you remember in your lifetime division and, and tensions running so high 
in society and in the church? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, my that my guess is this is the worst division of my lifetime. You know, even as somebody who really likes history and thinking through this, uh, but I would definitely say this is not the most divisive time in any lifetime. I mean, literally, America's gone to war with America, uh, more or less. Uh, and uh, I mean, I mean, think of even elections. I mean, this was an insanely divisive election. I mean, the previous one was insanely divisive, and. Uh, but there have been more divisive elections even. But it depends on, you know, maybe one could argue certain political figures have made this more divisive on their take. But, I mean, you look at the 1860 election uh, where Lincoln ended up winning. I mean, literally, Lincoln's election caused, you know, uh, half the country, less than half, but uh, a large part of the country to break away from the United States of America and try to form their own nation. And, I mean, in 1824, I mean, you have uh, John Quincy Adams' election and John Quincy Adams, uh, I mean, won in a complicated thing that where it went through the Senate and, uh, people hated him. And, you know, I mean, there, things almost erupted into duels and, you know, attack on each other's wives and stuff like that. And so, you know, it was a pretty, <laughs> pretty divisive time in America. Uh, but, you know, even I think about the American Revolution. I mean, the American Revolution even divided believers substantially. I mean, I think the common man probably has some awareness of Hamilton the musical and in Hamilton, I mean, there's a character that's kind of mocked by Alexander Hamilton, uh, that, uh, who is kind of arguing against the revolution and that the guy who's mocked actually was a historical Christian pastor who argued that the that Christians should have nothing to do with the revolution. And so, you know, even at that time, there was substantial division, dramatic division within the Christian body over the revolution. I mean, but yeah, this is certainly really, 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 really bad. But what do you think, Ben? Is this the worst you've seen in your lifetime? I would say yes, from what I remember in my lifetime. But I, I am aware of history. I enjoy history. I read some, but not nearly as much as you. But I think it is so important for us to have that historical awareness because we see, oh, this is not the first time people have dealt with tensions in society or the within the church. And and so uh, how do we engage with the society around us as God's people and, and people disagreeing about that? And so just having some some awareness to help kind of take a breath and go, okay, this is, we don't have to necessarily say this is the worst or this is the most important and, and making just these huge claims. Uh, again, that doesn't mean that what we're dealing with is not difficult. It's not important, but, uh, we can learn from wisdom, uh, fr from others uh, that have gone before us. So what do you think are some of the big contributing factors to some of the divisions that we're facing currently? You know, as a new Patriots fan, I have to say, I mean, I feel like things <laughs> changed dramatically after the Patriots became stopped being Super Bowl contenders as much as they were. Uh, you know, so certainly <laughs> the world's gotten worse since then. <laughs> okay. It's all Tom Brady's fault. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Maybe. Either that oh. or Tom Brady was saving us from it. I don't know. So, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think the tumultuous times, I mean, the craziness that we've been in with COVID and the, I mean, this election have tended to make sinful humans try to really find bad guys. Uh, I mean, it, even apart from human actions, I mean, we have been in a truly horrible 
time and a lot of even historic metrics i mean you have unemployment unemployment hit some certain records for a long time i mean even i mean i was following something in, in england england experienced the the worst recession in like 150 years or something like that uh, i mean things have not stepped back that much and i think when these kind of things happen when chaos happens i think it is human sinful nature it is our broken hearts that have a tendency to try to find easy to blame and easy to attack bad guys uh, and I think other factors that would be the echo chamber of algorithms I mean we mentioned in a previous podcast something that I discovered uh, and it is true but it doesn't sound true which is that actually people change their mind through social media more than almost any other source and it's a fact but nonetheless it also is a fact that algorithm you don't agree with that <laughs> no I'm, I'm just like shaking my head and tremors yeah <laughs> but uh you know the algorithms on social media uh i have a tendency to produce an echo chamber effect i mean you even see i mean it's it's known that that social media especially the biggest companies uh push new sources from uh that based upon what new sources they think that you that you listen to and so you only hear a certain point of view over and over and over again rather than being exposed to how other people approach things uh, i i think ultimately the, the biggest contributing issue is that there is i think Id- idol worship idolatry on multiple sides on multiple issues at the same time in our country uh and i'll add to that leaders both spiritually and politically have realized rattling sabers is what draws a crowd and I think we've even seen pastors have jumped into this and found ways to kind of, you know, to pit people against one another and, and to rage against people as a way to make people excited, which unfortunately sinful humanity does that. What do you think, Ben? I know I've said a lot. No, that was some good insight into it, though. And yeah, I know you read widely and you pay attention to these things. Um, you know, some of it is as simple as differing ways of looking at the world. You know, I mean, there are some people who are a little more focused on compassion and they're just geared to, well, let's not leave out that person. And then there's some that are a little more like, well, this has got to be fair and this is what they earned. And, you know, I mean, I'm speaking in in very broad terms there, but there's just like a a knee jerk reaction tendency to treat problems in certain ways. And so you're starting at looking things a little differently. There's some, maybe some people in your church that they're more geared towards, you know, benevolence ministry or working in the soup kitchen than they are to, I don't know, teaching. And the thing is, neither one of those are better. Uh, they can both be very God honoring, building up people, helpful to people. And you could say both are, are necessary, but, uh, Anyway, um, they're just the kinds of people that are geared in different directions. Uh, and you, you identified the idolatry that we see in so many different fronts. And I'd say maybe put it more specifically, and we've talked about this before. I had an old episode about melting golden donkeys and uh, elephants or something. But people taking their politics ultimately more seriously than their theology or their politics determining their theology and, and their practice rather than uh, their theology determining the politics and the practice yeah. um, is probably the quickest way to say it. But uh, I mean, do you see a way out of this mess? I mean, cause there's talks, you know, people are wanting to leave churches, um, de- denominations having issues. I mean, you're, you have, you have left not 
for some people have just like abandoned the Southern Baptist Convention or affiliation with it due to various reasons. And so, you know, say it was legitimate. Um, I'm still, I'm part of a church that is part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, there's things that I see that say, hey, this is good. And see other things where I, you know, I'm like, I kind of cringe. Um, and, you know, and pray. I, I've prayed for uh, God to be at work. Yeah. But is there a way out of this, this mess? No. Next question. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That was easy. So I think if we believe in the kingdom to come, the kingdom coming already in this world, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is is at work, we have to believe that there is a way out. You know, I think for sure there's a way out beyond this life. But I, I think even among believers, God is sanctifying his church. There is without question a way out. It's not going to be simple and it's going to take time. Uh, but I think truly listening to each other and giving the benefit of the doubt to one another is one key, certain key aspects to getting out of this. Uh, I think another aspect that we need to consider, and actually because of this, we're going to be at our church, uh, Lord willing, we're going to eventually be doing a study on, on a really excellent book, Finding the Right Hills of Dion by Gavin Ortland. Uh, and, and that is really rightly ordering values. We've talked about theological triage before. I think that is more important than ever uh, right now. So, uh, and I think realizing also in that, you know, the extremes are not representatives. I, I think that is a hugely important thing. And again, I, you know, if you're on the right that and you believe the left is in the wrong, that's your opinion. That's fine. And if you're on the left and feel the right is in the wrong, that's your opinion. That's fine. But it's not fair when, uh, when one side of the country sees everyone of a different opinion as, uh, you know, say the liberal, oftentimes Democrats seem to portray everyone on the right as, you know, basically InfoWars. When InfoWars, I think, ranks as, which is Alex Jones's podcast, I think it ranks as like the 50 at number 50 radio show in America right now. It's not that popular. It's kind of an extreme set. Nor is it helpful, I think, when, when most people of, you know, on the more the right have a tendency sometimes to say, you know, every Everybody that has a different view is for, you know, defunding the police. When statistics show the vast majority of even on the left do not believe in that. Or, you know, to say that certain very extreme politicians that received like barely over 50% of a vote in a primary in a liberal New York City are representative of the entirety of the other party as well. So, you know, I think we have to. Again, I'm not saying I, I'm in favor of one or the other. I'm not giving my political <laughs> But I think no matter what, we should realize the extremes are not representative of our neighbors. Yeah, it is well said. Um, and, and I think that, yes, there is a way out of this, but it requires a move of God. And it's going to require deep teaching and deep humility and commitment in the gospel as the central thing that unifies us. So even in the same local church, I mean, I'm not telling a secret, like uh, the church that John Piper used to be the senior pastor at uh, has been in the headline, like major Christian publications Mm -hmm. because of internal divisions about how to handle things related to race and um, political stuff and empathy and and all kinds of stuff. Um, So you can pray for Bethlehem Baptist and for uh, God to, to be glorified there. And, um, but seeing that the gospel is the thing that holds us together and then 
know what to hold, like you were talking about the triage and, you know, a random fact, uh, Gavin Ortland actually went to a, a school here in town that was like a rival to the school that I was a part of. So I didn't actually play sports against him because I, I stopped playing basketball, but I remember like, I remember hearing his name out there and I knew his dad was the pastor of this church. So anyway, I, I don't know him. Interesting. But, uh, but yeah, he, he's a sharp thinker from what I, the things I've seen from him. So, but uh, anyway, that that's easier said than done, but the gospel is the thing that we hold most uh, dear and the thing that we have most in common. And then we work away from that and, and seeing uh, what do we hold on to the tightest and, and then on what things do we hold a looser grip? How can we work together within yeah. that? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't propose to have all the answers, uh, but I do think that God's kingdom and his gospel is stronger than these divisions. But, you know, I mean, Satan loves drama and to, to stoke the fire. So um, we, I mean, it is a spiritual thing. We, we should pray against these divisions and for proper unity. So Tony, what are the temptations that Christian parents face in dealing with and responding to these things that we see going on, you know, broadly yeah. in society and the church? Yeah. So I think, some temptations parent Christian parents deal with, and that's are going to be first an any an us versus them mentality around the dinner table. Uh, when we think about those who have different points of views, those who land differently in this kind of cultural warfare, if you will. Although I'm not thrilled with that terminology, uh, I think another thing that we need to be careful about is I think sometimes Christian parents can have a tendency to respond when they hear the news, when they have their Amazon Echo. Uh, you know, read their flash briefing uh, to respond in a way that suggests to our kids that God is not really sovereign, not really in control, like everything is going to heck in a handbasket. And I've addressed this before. I This is a bit of a soapbox as I've hit it before, but acting <laughs> as if God's not sovereign, I, I think, because that really disciples our kids in a wrong way in that. Uh, and I think yeah. the last one would be ignoring it, uh, and as a result, letting others catechize or disciple them in this. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's good to point. Like, there's there's dangers on both sides. You can't just stick our head in the sand, uh, but also don't act like God. Like, we just got to do it all. Yeah. Um, you know, like resorting to worldly wisdom and worldly methods to fix this. Yeah, I think. I mean, you know, there's a temptation to align faithfulness entirely in one camp, one political camp, one theological camp, uh, and this is the the only. Way and then you know you got to dot all these eyes and cross all these t's or else I mean you might as well be dancing with Satan. Um, you know you talked about motives and assuming the, the best or the worst of the other side and then and, and uncritically making assumptions about motives. But anyway, I think you said that well. So you, you already said you think avoiding it is wrong. Um, so in, in what? ways and what manner should parents address these divisions yeah i think again back to what i said earlier you know parents don't address it uh you know some the less trustworthy will uh and i think there's a lot of less trustworthy sources to deal with this you know and i think parents can navigate this with grace and clarity uh, and i think they must do that and I think also parents can do this by reminding their kids that we aren't really losing in the greatest things. You know, we, it feels like we're losing. You know, we might, you know, people are literally dying in the world. And, you know, there is 
people are losing in one way, shape, or form. But in the greatest, the eternal things, for the Christian church is not losing. Uh, and I think lastly, teach them and model assuming best motives, which is something both of us have talked about. But I think that is imperative to this. And it's hard because we're prone to not do that. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, yeah, we, you're, you're right. Uh, we, we're, we're prone to assume the best about our own motives and assume the worst about other people's motives um, and, and our camp. But I mean, yes, I do think we should address it. I agree with you. Because how else will the kids grow in wisdom to address these things? I mean, do we do we want the internet or their friends to simply help them process through this? I don't think so. But if we do have to be wise about that, like you said, that, that where we're getting our information and the age of our kids as well, because as they get older, they're getting more sense of independence, but they're still listening to what we say and it's going to influence and depending on the dynamics of the relationship of uh, how much they're going to, to continue in, uh, you know, our perspective. But when they're younger, if, if they hear the way that we interact about something or uh, some idea or this group, that's going to carry a lot more weight, and so in how they view those things, um, and I mean just just watch and see how it works out over a little time, um, and so we just want to pray that the Lord helps us have grace with that. So, how can churches and church leaders help families navigate through these things? Yes, yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, I think be even beyond one church. I think there's a need for more things like Together for the Gospel. Uh, did you ever go to Together for the Gospel in Louisville, Ben? I did, yeah. Uh, good for you. I never was able to go to one, but I know of them, and I, I know the effect that things like Together for the Gospel and to probably a lesser degree Gospel Coalition has had. And I think that effect has often been, you know, helping people, you know, unify that, yeah, you know, we don't agree on some significant things. But, you know, we're coming together literally for the gospel. Actually, the last one's coming about this year. Uh, and, it, and that kind of makes me sad uh, because uh, I think we need to have pushes from churches, even the model of pastors of churches going to things with people they profoundly disagree with on real significant things, but agree with on the biggest things. Uh, and so I think there needs to be more efforts towards this to help families navigate these kinds of things. Uh, I, I'll add, I think that, um, church leaders should pray nuanced prayers in the congregation in light of the news up front. You know, and I think we need to be careful in that. We can't avoid it. I think there's times of be praying prayers of a morning, prayers of a lament, uh, for situations going on. But, you know, be careful, be nuanced, because people can get fired and do stupid things <laughs> over this kind of thing. Uh, I, I would say that we need to take strong stances as churches and church leaders where scripture does take strong stances. You know, I appreciated the courage of some, you know, after the events on January 6th, uh, that, that took a, felt like script, scripture spoke on a specific issue and they took a strong stance on that, uh, even when it went against their own politics and when it goes against their, when they went against their own tribe. Uh, but mm -hmm. then, and then the opposite, when scripture doesn't speak, I mean, we, I think it's, we should tread lightly and winsomely, uh, cause I think a lot of these are areas where, I mean, just frankly, scripture doesn't speak clearly on it. That that's a good point, and, and it kind of segs into what I think about. You know, just sometimes 
<laughs> church leaders, um, parents, whoever, they need to take a deep breath and they need to count to 10 before <laughs> addressing something. Um, or count, take a deep breath and count to 10 before hitting send uh, on some <laughs> social media post. Or even better, just don't hit send. Um, some conversations like that are better had offline because especially if they're incendiary in their, or if they're addressing incendiary issues, it's just hard to have a nuanced conversation like that over a digital medium. And, you know, maybe you're going back and forth with someone in a respectful manner and you know each other and some comment is made and somebody else gets in there and they see it and they, they misunderstand. And it's just it's not like, you know, the the bathroom stall is not the place for you to you know be writing notes back and forth to people. Um, and so I, I think we want to invite conversations done humbly and with understanding, assuming the best about other people. Um, but I mean, I liked what you said about the, the public prayers and where scripture speaks on something clearly, then we should speak clearly and where it doesn't, which a lot of issues, uh, you know, that we're facing with political issues, they are wisdom and sound judgment calls. They are not issues directly of, you know, this is, if we do this, whether this bill gets passed, this is going to be, you know, righteousness in the sight of God, or this is going to be an abomination in the sight of God. It's just not that cut and dry. But, you know, and so we've got stuff like that going on economically, stuff with COVID, uh, stuff with race. Uh, you know, there's the the CRT stuff and then the other end of it, anti-racism and um or that, that's not the other end of it. It's kind of it's all connected. But anyway, um, we want to, and I think pray for the families too that they would be wise. And uh, I mean, maybe you have a specific time where you, you sit down and talk to parents about it, uh, field questions, and, and and try to point them towards good resources, and not just the echo chamber of what you you tell me to my my sadness you've mentioned it a couple of times about you know social media being such a mind changer you know point them past the the echo chamber uh, algorithms that just tell us what we want to hear yeah um so how can families deal with tension that may be within their own church like you know what if some ch- pastor church leader says something that you know somebody in the family doesn't that mom doesn't like or they're like I think I think that's CRT or I think that's racist or you know whatever the you know bomb of the of the week is. Um, I mean, how could they go about dealing with that, addressing that in a way that's godly and helpful? Yeah, I would say the moment that your pastor uses a single word that is also used in uh, in a work of Iron Iron Rand or or Lenin, you should leave your church, even if that word's the. You know, I'm kidding. <laughs> Those <laughs> Russians, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, a tricky question, but it's an important one. So I, I think, first of all, we need to take the time to hear each other out. And, and this applies to both the leaders in your church as well as the, the other members of your church. Because uh, it's really, really, really easy to not really represent one another fairly. Actually, one of the things that I really remember, um, 
I don't remember if it was a college or whatnot, but I kind of was trained, and I'll do this sometimes, that when I disagree with somebody, I try to kind of literally even write down and make their argument the best that I could from their angle. And it, and it helps nuance me. But I think even just a simple act of actually listening to what somebody's saying, rather than just pigeonholing them, they're CRT or they're a racist, uh, when, you know, we hear terminology that some people have associated unnecessarily with that. So I want to say, since that topic is brought up, I want to be clear uh, that, you know, I suspect the vast majority of evangelical Christians would disagree with critical theory, at least. Uh, you know, I think the, the debate on definitions, it gets unfortunate and dumb at times. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that what is classically defined as I'll even bold say it was probably classically defined as critical race theory it is, is not agreed to by even those that are, are unfortunately called critical race theorists at times. And so sometimes I think that debate ends up being how you navigate this, this issue rather than whether you affirm it or not. I think I'll add using historic criteria when you, where you disagree, uh, helps you kind of land on a triage helps you kind of understand on these things you know this has always been understood as a first tier issue you know if somebody's disagreeing with you and the church about the divinity of jesus you know that 100 percent should alarm you <laughs> but you know on covid mask maybe that's a different issue than the divinity of jesus uh but I, you know, i'll actually even say you can't remotely and again i i respect people of different opinions on that by the way uh, but you can't remotely make a serious historical or biblical argument that something like choosing to not meet out choosing to meet outside uh during covid uh is you know during the original outbreak is a first or second tier issue i mean i know of a church i know of a prominent church that you know really presented that and had members that presented the idea of of worshiping outside the idea of church leaders deciding that in this time we should meet outside is a ride or die issue i mean it, it's pretty ridiculous to see whether or not we're inside a building or outside a pit building as a first or second tier issue for example and i think that that kind of historical understanding is in the grants of humility again you're welcome to have different opinions on this uh and whether we meet at all can arguably mean a second tier issue, if not, you know, a certainly a high ranking second tier issue. But let's have some humility. Mm. Yeah, let's have some humility. And let, you were talking again back to the echo chamber, like intentionally expose yourself to people that hold a different position than you. And, and from like your exercise in, in writing out, in your own words, the best presentation of their position that you could i think that's a good idea um maybe make you a little more sympathetic to okay well i see how they got there may still not just uh, may still not yeah. completely be there myself but okay i don't think they're absolutely uh both evil and or stupid um and so i, I think you know get your stuff from the source and not just the presentation, the, the you know, the straw man presentation of their position from you know, from your tribe, and they're like oh yeah, these people are awful, and and just say you have an issue with an actual individual within your church or a leader in your church, you they say something or you something that may be concerning, just humbly ask for their thinking and and listen, you know, you were talking about listening, listening not simply to respond but listening to understand, mm. you know, approach them in person. 
not on social media, uh, and, and approach <laughs> them, not challenge them. So you said this the other day. What did you mean by that? I mean, that's not what we're talking about. Like, hey, help me understand you know, where you're coming from, this kind of thing, and, and just building those relational bridges and remembering, like you brought up the issues of the, the second tier and third tier and first tier, um, that, yeah, with someone's views on the the deity of Christ, um, if they're parting on that or the exclusivity of Christ, that's a bigger deal than whether they disagree with you about COVID mask or vaccines yes. or, you know, CRT or, you know, any of the rest of that. Like, that's a bigger deal. And you need to, to reweigh your priorities. Um, doesn't mean, you know, and we're bad at this in our culture, uh, at, at weighting things on a scale. It's either all or nothing. And, you know, this issue is, is everything or it just does, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, there's, there's gradation there. So Tony, how, how vocal and precise should churches be on these hot button issues? Um, and I'll have a follow up to that in a minute, but like, I mean, for instance, last year after the George Floyd issue, and I'm not saying you need to address this thing specifically, but after the George Floyd, um, murder happened, um, there was some, you know, lots of different organizations, businesses, I, I don't know what else, churches, um, made statements, you know, saying that they were against racism and this kind of thing. And, um, our church was asked about it, um, you know, from within the church, um, you know, and so some feel that you should be real strong. Um, it's standing in solidarity on, on something. Some feel you just leave it alone. Um, some, you know, go the other way and, you know, put a back the blue or, you know, I mean, I'm just throwing out possibly. I'm not saying one, obviously neither one of us are trying to show our hand politically. Um, but how, how should we address those kind of things? How, how specific uh, should we get in it? Yeah, so I, I'm going to kind of take a bit of a middle road on these things, sometimes being moderate to, on things. Uh, and I'm not, again, not talking politics uh, has gotten me into trouble before, but <laughs> sometimes the middle road is the best road. Um, you know, I, I think we cannot be completely silent and hot, hot, silent on hot button issues like this. However, the church, you know, the church primarily, I think, should be a place of where we kind of have this historic sense of stability, even as the world is in chaos. And so, yes, I think maybe in a 1% part of the service, there can be, there should be a navigating of this issue. But, you know, if we react in a way that changes the fact that, uh, you know, a Baptist worship service should fundamentally look the same you know, if you time travel to 1850 uh, and then now and then went forward to 2200, I, I think that there should be that kind of continuity and stability in the church as it's always kind of called to be. And if we compromise that on this, I, I think we're making a foolish decision. Uh, but nonetheless, I think there should be some navigating it. And I think each church needs to make a decision of, uh, of when to publicly lament or take a respectful stand uh, on different kinds of issues. I actually think of kind of two very positive examples and somewhat on, you know, different issues to me have been the example of Capitol Hill Baptist Church. I mean, and this is no surprise to listeners. I have a lot of respect for nine marks in Capitol Hill. And they, they were in a situation last year where they had 
that a lot of people were able to meet that they had difficulties meeting outside. And so this was a meeting issue. They wanted to meet together the whole congregation and uh, the city of Washington, D.C. was imposing some some harsher rules on churches than they were on movie theaters and stuff like that. It was really some hypocritical policies. And they decided that they would write a respectful uh, but clear letter. And then they ended up actually, I mean, taking the city to court. And if I remember correctly, they ended up, they won. But I know things have changed. And so they were able to uh, meet together in person in church. But they did this respectfully, uh, but they took a clear stance. They made their letter even open, not just to the congregation, but to everyone. They even voted on it as a congregation. Uh, and then I know of another uh, church, College Park Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, that uh, the church actually David Michael's at, uh, David Sally Michael we talked to. So they're at church. The, their leaders have had times where in response to some racist acts in our country, they've taken times to publicly, you know, have some lament in ways that I think is nuanced. Uh, I've heard people really go after them, but I, I think if you actually watch some of the things they've done, I think that there's nuance and care and concern shown to it without making it into a central issue. So I think those are two positive examples to me. Whether you like those examples or not, that that's fine. Uh, one example, I can't tell you how to do it next generation's ministry, but I can tell how we did it when I was leading youth. Uh, you know, when the when a year ago, when January 6th happened, we actually, we took a time to uh, pray for those that are in political office uh, and those who are impacted by this. And, and, you know, we chose to really, I mean, not pray the prayer to, to smite thee, uh, but just pray that, that God would uh, comfort those who are hurting and that God, and um, that I, we did pray for the salvation of certain elected political leaders, but, you know, we, we prayed, uh, for their God's good to them in a way that I think scripture was calling us to. But we did that as a public thing in the service to model and we even called upon all the leaders too. And it was really cool because, I mean, I know some uh, leaders and that youth that had different uh, political opinions. And and I think they were all pretty unified that, I mean, this was something that is biblical and good. What do you think, Mm. Ben? That's good to hear. Um, I think a lot of of our positions shouldn't be too precise. And I'm all for nuance. I think in practice it can be difficult. And I've read in specific churches where among elders and leaders, uh, just in the church more broadly, people holding different positions and holding them very strongly, which in one sense I, I'm encouraged by that because it shows, okay, the thing that's unifying us here is not you know position A, position B, or candidate uh, A or B, but it, it's something bigger and more weighty. It's Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as we seek to preach the, the whole counsel of God, it does address some of these things. Um, I, I guess I'm, uh, I like the middle way. And I, I know there were times, even publicly, that I, I, I could have been more specific. Um, and maybe my lack of specificity was cowardice. Maybe it was wisdom. Maybe it was the mixture of, of both. But I, there were times over, you know, the past year where I prayed about publicly from our church um, about racial issues um, or political issues, and and took various stances. And when I, like, one of the times when I prayed about issues related to race, uh, I don't always do this. Actually, normally don't do this, but I wrote out ahead of time. Uh, because I didn't want to just get up there and probably a wing good call. it. <laughs> Was probably, that probably a good call? <laughs> 
uh, yeah, and I've done it before, but um, just because trying to be careful with this is like I want to be very careful um, on what I say. And again, because there's you hit on this earlier, uh, sort of like if if you say this one thing, you made the joke about um, Ayn Rand and. Uh, Lenin, um, you know, you say one thing that maybe some group says, and it's like, oh, I see, I knew it, you know, stone him. I know. But then you say something on the other. And, and so, you know, I, I read, have you read the book? Uh, it's by Jonathan Lehman, um, How the Nations Rage. Great book, yeah. Yeah, I think he, he takes a, a careful look at how we engage these things, but, um, Anyway, he, he makes the point in that book that we're, justification frees us from having to prove that we really are part of, you know, party A or party B or part of this mm-hmm. group. You know, ultimately, it, our biggest identifying thing transcends that. And so I don't have to prove that I'm a, I'm a true whatever. Yeah. I, that's okay. Whether you want to own me or not, like, that's not where I'm, I'm staking my, my ultimate claim. And so resting in that, but it, it does take uh, just a great deal of wisdom. And, it, and as we grow, as church leaders grow uh, in wisdom on these things, again, getting out of the echo chamber um, and, and just sometimes saying, you know, uh, I think I mentioned this on a recent episode, but I was talking to my boss, senior pastor. He said, you know, he was at a point in life and he's very, very hesitant to address uh, ongoing stuff. And I mean, I know I've talked, you know, fairly in depth with him about a number of things. And so I know where he's coming from, but he will not, you know, get real vocal. And there's been some people that didn't like that on both sides of it. I mean, we had somebody apparently, um, I don't know if it was this church or a church he was at prior, but he, someone wished he was more political and they were mad that he wasn't. not that he doesn't care, but just being very, very careful about that. Because ultimately our churches are not little outposts of, you know, a certain party, uh, political party, but they're, you know, outposts of the kingdom of God. Yeah. So, Tony, is there anything that uh, – or actually, follow up to that. How, how about in age-graded ministries? I mean, like, you, you touched on anything you want to add to that? Not that I can think of. I mean, I know that you've really not now that's your uh, strong suit more than mine, you know, because I'm doing more cross generational, uh, you know, working with some that are significantly older than me and some that are significantly younger than me. And that's been a blessing. I think, yeah, I mean, you can bring up that kind of stuff. I think keep it more general, especially, I mean, in, in the wing that I'm doing stuff with kids, you know, pray for your leaders, pray for, and we've actually done this. Um, before with our kids stuff we prayed for leaders or prayed for peace there would be peace in our country or peace in our church and that we would unify around jesus and just kept it that simple um and i think you're communicating something to them i'm actually sitting here right now um i'm trying to scroll through and i don't post a whole lot on facebook but i was trying to scroll through and find something that i had uh posted uh about over a year, well, yeah, I guess about a year ago, and I just remember the guy's name. I didn't find the post, but uh, there's this quote by the, I think he's an English theologian or ethicist or something. His name's Oliver O'Donovan, and he said sometimes like the most uh, controversial statement or, or uh, political statement that you can make uh, is not addressing some 
big deal that's going on um, because you're saying, actually, that thing does not matter the most. There are bigger things that matter even more. And, uh, you know, I th- that's not in every situation, every case. But uh, I remember posting that around the time of the election uh, last last year. And so anyway, um, it stuck out to me and I thought it was worth sharing here. So thankfully, I did finally remember the guy's name. Um, so is there anything that churches and parents you think should avoid when it comes to d- talking about dealing with these issues? Uh, yeah, I would say avoid demonizing those we disagree with, uh, which can be a really easy thing and a strong temptation that we have. You know, I've mentioned that before, uh, but I, I think another one is, I mean, it goes back to your count to 10 thing, which I really like, you know, we tell kids to do that a lot. Sometimes we as adults need to do that. But, yeah. I've got a four-year-old. So yeah. Right, we're going to count to 10 now. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I think avoid then avoiding reacting impulsively. You know, I, I think I know of both in the church and outside the church, some bad examples of that. I mean, I, I I don't care what your opinion on LeBron James is. You know, I'm from Chicagoland, so I kind of inherently don't like him because people compare him to Jordan. But <laughs> I mean, LeBron James, though, I mean, he like he's very active on social media. And there was a famous example where it was just, I don't remember which cop, which police officer it was, but it was just after a police officer was kind of pronounced guilty for, for murdering an African-American or manslaughter or something. And then there was there was a case where a police officer shot a woman uh, and uh, there, there was a partial video and he reacted by, I think he tweeted out a picture of the police officer and something like, you know, he's next. And then, you know, the, yes. the news came out that he was actually saving a, a, a black woman's life and that this cop, you know, did what he had to do, you know, to keep people safe and, and reacted rightly. And, and you know, that, that impulsive reaction, I mean, this guy got dead, this cop, a police officer got death threats and I mean, really horrible uh, things happened to him as a result of this and you know so that kind of reacting impulsively and that was an example i think of ways or even church leaders i remember when january 6th happened i mean a, a church leader that i know uh reacted to it uh when he was informed about it that you know is by saying that christians should kind of go down uh to dc and should go and kidnap nancy pelosi and this kind of i I don't think this leader had full comprehension of what all was going on uh but you know that was kind of the visceral reaction i said even in front of children and uh you know these kind of these kind of uh visceral reactions these impulsive reactions are stuff we need to be careful about we need to stop yeah and i'll add you know Lacking empathy or sympathy, if you prefer that term, you know, I, I know Christians have been about to murder one another about whether we use empathy or sympathy, whatever you yeah, prefer to talk about. Sinful and all this. Yeah. Whatever you prefer to say, empathy or sympathy. But I think lacking one or both of those, uh, when you think about these things, when you think about people who disagree with you, those that are hurting is, I think, an unfortunate thing that we should avoid. And then, uh, and lastly, I'll say, uh, I would avoid showing dishonor to political leaders, regardless of their party. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. What would you avoid? Um, I would agree with all those. Also, I don't kidnap political leaders, please. Um, <laughs> I guess unless you have to kidnap them to keep them safe for some reason, I don't know. Um, 
I really don't have anything to add to that. I think those are some some wise tips and things for us to consider. And yeah, I, I mean, I just I, I don't want to see. But you, you brought up the Civil War era to begin with, and that was one of the, the most heated things that I thought of. Uh, actually, you know, had it in my notes, and thankfully we didn't live through that time. But like, and maybe you know the figure. But like you said, America went to war against America, and how many thousands, hundreds of thousands did we kill over that? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, God forbid that we would get into a situation like that again. Uh, but also, I, I don't want to see the church, just broadly speaking, um, and individual local churches torn apart because of, of differing ways of approaching things. Um I, this summer, I got a free ebook from the Gospel Coalition, and I can't remember the title of this one, but it was re- written by Colin Hansen, and it was dealing with some of this stuff. And um, he he talked about how we need people in in individual local churches who some are more prone towards going to do uh, acts of mercy and uh, I, some people use the term justice. I, I, I'm not going to try to get into some you know, super particular nuancing of the terms, but people uh, trying to to engage in that. And then people who are very concerned about doctrinal clarity and purity, and both of those are needed um, within the same church so that you don't have, you know, knowledge puffing up. Uh, And so also that you don't just have zeal without knowledge. Um, You know, we need to, Jesus said, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So there is the educational, there is the learning and the growing and then in studying God's word so that we may know God, but then we also walk in his ways and, and how that works out in a particular context is going to vary from context to context Mm -hmm. in some ways. In other ways though, what God has said is sufficient, you know, how we're supposed to live in a way that pleases him individually as families um, and as a church. So that, that is my, that was my desire. Can even bringing this conversation up Um, just because you look and, you know, there's a sense of mourning at the state of things and seeing it, Lord, how did we get here? And don't let our church become a casualty of this. And I even, I mean, there's, we've not had any major issues, but there has been some uh, rumbling, you know, fairly low key, but um, I'm thankful that it has not been some sort of eruption. You know, like mentioned Bethlehem Baptist, I mean, they've had some, some pretty serious issues to deal with. Well, Tony, thank you for, lending your your aid on this um i was i thought you had some good insight on this and um thank you the only thing i'll add is i want to encourage listeners to try not to do anything nefarious in any forts in south carolina (laughs) yeah yeah i've been there by i've never actually been out to fort sumter but i've like seen it from the you know from the coast but Anyway, but thanks for for thinking with me about this, and um, I hope this is a blessing to people and just a spark for conversation, you know, within their churches and within their families. So, God bless, and uh, may God unify His church. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, 
and join us again every first and third Thursday.